to you live from Columbia, Missouri. This is the Hot Corner with your hosts, Patrick Harrion, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of nonstop sports starts right now. And good morning, Columbia! Welcome to another edition of the Hot Corner. I'm your host, Patrick Heron. Alongside me is Michael Umami. And in spirit, Logan Franz, who's back home in Chicago. It is Friday, November 20th, 2020. And what could be, possibly, the last episode of the Hot Corner at its designated 8 a.m. time slot. Which, you know, honestly is a little sad for me to say. Yeah, it's a little unfortunate, and I have to take responsibility in part because of it. Uh, my class for B3 Broadcast 3, which is a requirement for all of us journalism majors in here, shout out journalism majors, is uh, unfortunately between 8 to 9.15, I believe, 8 to 9.30. So that will unfortunately be taking that slot. Sorry, guys. Apologies to you. I know you love listening to us at 8 a.m., but we will come back at you sometime with a new time. Hopefully, we'll be the kings of that slot, just like we were the kings of this slot. Yeah, it was, it's... It's, it's quite sad, you know, looking back at it. 8 a.m. was part of my routine for a good part of, well, geez, a year and a half. Oh, yeah. A year Absolutely. and a half of my life. Every, every Friday I'd wake up at yep. 6.30 in the morning and I'd drag myself out of bed, force myself to take a shower, and then, you know, walk down to the station and do the show. And it's just going to feel weird on Fridays. It's kind of like, like when you're at home for summer break and, you know, that first Friday rolls around and you wake up at the time you're used to waking up when you're at school. For me, I'd wake up at 6.30 and I'm like, wait. I don't have the show to do today. Right, yeah. That's the other thing that's going to be interesting is not having that slot. Unfortunately, I hate to say it, but this is going to happen anyway. I think the B3 slot on that Friday morning is the only slot offered. So regardless of whether or not it would have taken B B3 either next semester or the semester after that, at some point all of us would be taking it. I think Logan would be taking it too, so we'd have to move that slot, I think, either our first semester senior year or whatever. But it um, was it was inevitable. It was inevitable, unfortunately. And I think regardless of the plans, this is definitely a schedule and date that's been near and dear to our hearts for a long time. And it's sad to see it go because it's been such a big part of my early morning routine as well. But I guess, you know, maybe we can maybe we can get it back. It's after, it's, it's, it's gonna be weird when uh, you know, small if, bump if, in the if road. we're on like a day like uh, Thursday, like a Wednesday. I mean right. I don't know. Our, uh, in in first semester during this time of uh, of the school year, for the show Usually we lead in with Thursday night football. Right. Now, granted, half of the semester and you know half of the season of the show, we also lead in with something else, like we do next semester right. when we're back. It'll just it'll just be a little bit of a learning curve. And you know, in light of all the, the events that have happened with COVID and school, uh, really pleading for us to go home after break and stay there, it's still up in the air whether or not we will be back. I have not made my decision fully. I don't know if Michael's made his. So there is a slight chance that either both of us will be back, one of us will be back, or none of us will be back. So that's when I said earlier, when I went went through with the intro, that this could be the last episode of the Hot Corner for this year, which, which really stinks. It, it stinks, really but the good news is at least it's not the last episode of the Hot Corner for, quote, the foreseeable future. Um, we are confident that we'll be able to come back in January, we think, without necessarily having the closures, although um, obviously nothing's guaranteed, but I am optimistic that we will be back in school um, for that date and the student center will be open um, because I think matters have been placed in, in the right hands and I think everybody's been doing a good job in terms of responsibilities for this. So I'm pretty confident we'll be back in January. Don't want to you know, jinx it or anything like that, but... I think that there's there's a good chance that we'll be back at that slot. So the show will go on, and the show will go on at a time where we know it will be able to go on. The question is, is when is the next time slot going to be? Because schedules are still up in the air at this point. And are we going to be finished after this episode? We don't know. We'll figure that out. Um, but unfortunately, right now, obviously, there's just a lot of things that are a lot of wheels in motion, as they say. And there's, there's, um, it's good lot, to know. There's a lot of things out of our control. Right. And But it's good to know, however that um, fortunately for everybody that it does look like we'll be able to do this next semester, which is not something we were saying about six to seven months ago, unfortunately. Yeah, I, which still, was... I still remember that episode <laughs> that we did before spring break. Or still before, listen the to week it. Before spring break where Michael Wilson, I say, he'll quote me when <laughs> sometimes at the apartment. He's like, you know, some of the things you said in the show, whatever. Anyways, yep. it's a lot has changed over the last seven months. Yeah. And I would say, as of recently, for the better. 
And yeah. there's a good chance, as Michael said, that we will be back next semester. I'm very optimistic because I'm a very optimistic person. So I'm going to say we will. At our time slot, we don't know at this moment in time. But make sure to follow us on our Twitter pages, at Patrick Herring, at Imami Michael Logan, for, at the Logan France, and Hot Corner Sports. We'll try our best to get back into using that Twitter account. It's kind of gone silent to keep you guys posted on what time slots and what days we will be back. Anyways, to go on with what we're supposed to be talking about here on the show, Thursday Night Football in a game that, again, I used as background noise, which I know I should not be doing, but I did watch a good portion of it. It was the Seahawks and Cardinals, or the Seahawks and Cardinals. <laughs> it was a very, it, you know, honestly, it was a good game. And Kyler Murray at the end had a chance to tie the game and take it into overtime. You know, I was kind of following a college game at the same time, Tulane and Tulsa. Spoiler alert, Tulsa is now ranked in my rankings. They're dropping at 330. Uh, selfish plug, there we go. Anyways, I really enjoyed how... I mean, I, I was kind of surprised with how the Seahawks defense actually played last night because they came up when when the Seahawks needed them most. You know, last week, I really droned in on them, and I put them on fire, and I was flaming them the entire time, and Michael was trying to defend them. But last night, they really showed up and was there when it mattered most. Yeah, Carlos Dunlap with those two sacks, he says, quote, this is what they brought me here for out of Cincinnati. I think Seattle's defense had a really good game last night, and I think that it came in part because of people like Patrick telling him that you know you're, they, they gave him the numbers. They said, guys, you're 32nd in the league, got to get better. Well, they certainly got better last night. Um, unfortunately for Kyler Murray, a lot of his confidence was, I'd say, stunted at that portion of it because you had the week prior with the Hail Mary, or as everybody in the news is calling it, the Hail Murray, um, the spectacular game uh, with DeAndre Hopkins making that terrific catch as well. Great throw and great catch. Um, but unfortunately for the Arizona Cardinals, you know, put on the brakes. Seattle Seahawks are the kings of that division as of right now. Russell Wilson also having a terrific game, too. And I think that overall, Seattle is putting themselves back in contention for that NFC West title and Russell Wilson going back into the MVP conversation, which you is know, another topic. I, I was never on board with the people that counted out Russell Wilson after one bad game. And they're like, nope, that's it. No more MVP race. And, it, and you know, as I go to quote my all-time place of reliable information only, Twitter.com, where a good number of sports experts were saying. Good number. <laughs> I can't even get through this. They're saying Russell Wilson was quote, done, and his MVP season was over following one bad game. I was never on board that train. And, you know, I've said it throughout the show that Russell Wilson continues to be one of the most fun quarterbacks to watch in the NFL, and he proved it again last night. And I really got to say, he's still the front runner for MVP in my opinion. Yeah, uh, didn't exactly throw for a whole lot of yards, 197 last night, but was 23 for 28 on completions and attempts and two touchdowns, no interceptions. They got uh, Carlos Hyde active in the running game, 14 carries for 79 yards and a touchdown. Wilson obviously running the ball a little bit too. He was second on the team in rushing last night with 42 yards on 10 carries, so obviously they like to use his legs as well, something Arizona also did with uh, Kyler Murray as well. They, or they tried to do. They didn't get it done very successfully. They had him only for 15 rushing yards. Murray did throw for 269 passing yards. He tried to pass through uh, Seattle's defense, obviously, because the pass defense wasn't great. Um, they were able to kind of halt them a little bit. Not exactly perfect on completions, 29 for 42, 269 yards. Murray trying to get the running game going, one of the best parts of his game. He couldn't quite get that going either. So Seattle obviously stopping Kyler Murray on his legs was obviously a good thing for them. And the other thing was is you had some kind of some weird activity last night with the safety. You know, I, I was and, I was going to mention that after you were done with your rundown of stats. Yeah. I was gonna say, you know what, there was a moment of the game that really stuck with me. And it's something you don't see quite often. The safety play is one of the weirdest rules in all professional sports right up there with the drop third strike but that's a completely different story that, I, that we're going to talk about next semester because it always gets brought up when baseball season rolls around right anyways but a so the cardinals were down at the one and a old lineman decided to hold in the end zone which for those of you who don't know that got you that causes a safety which I still don't understand why but I'm not going to question it because the safety is one of my all-time favorite plays in, in football, because it's just so odd, and then the punt afterwards, so awkward. But that was really a moment that kind of just was reflective of all of Thursday night football for this season. Yeah, the question that I had is typically when you score in sports, I mean, at least, you know, in this case, 
you, you usually give the ball to the other team. I mean, when that happens, you score, the other team gets the ball, the opportunity to get the possession. Well, when you the other team scores via a safety, because your offense, for whatever reason, gave it up, uh, you as an offense have to give the ball away to the other team. So I think that's kind of interesting. It's like a, you know, two, two whatever punch or whatever it is. You know, you got you know, one punch and you get the second punch, you know, basically giving them the other opportunity to score. But the other thing that I wanted to bring up is, is this looks like a totally normal scoreline. Uh, one team scored four touchdowns. The other team scored three. Obviously, that did not happen. The 28 was, I think, built on by a field goal, a safety, and I want to say another field goal added in there. I don't know exactly how they – actually, I'm sorry. I have the – hold on a second. I'm saying I got the score chart here right in front of me. Um, but, you know, you basically – you have – yeah, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, 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 safety, and field goal. So, yeah, it added up to the uh, safety score there for Seattle. They were up 23-21, and Arizona gave up the safety. That made it 25, and then Seattle kicked another field goal. That made it 28, adding up to a more normal score line, obviously. So, it just it, it overall, it looked like a very weird game, um, a game that I've not quite seen before in terms of scoring and opportunities, but... Uh, I'd say one of the most fun Thursday night games I've ever seen in my bu- in my in my book. I, I would say it was definitely a enjoyable. It was an enjoyable Thursday night experience. Usually something that I never say on the show. Right. I usually continue to trash Thursday night football and its brutally bad games and how it's just a scheduling nightmare and should never exist. But last night, I enjoyed it, which is something I don't ever say. And it was a game that was close. It was a game that had weird stuff, such as the safety which I'm going to continue to mention because it's just so wrong but feels right at the same time. Right. And really, a game with Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray is automatically going to be a good game. So I I have to say that I enjoyed it. Yeah, it it was. I mean, I said going into this game, I said it was going to be impossible for me personally. I mean, I think there is always that possibility that Seattle or Arizona could blow one of them out. But I said that... um, I said I think I thought this was going to be a good game either way. I thought that Seattle was going to, you know, I think their their, their defensive problems I think were going to be kind of somewhat resolved, and I think Arizona was going to be able to put up a fight with the way that uh, you know, coming off the momentum from the Hail Mary or Hail Murray uh, last came, week. So after that play happened, I said it in the apartment. So therefore, I own all the rights for it. Give me my money, please. Tell everybody at NFL Network that I came up with it trademark i'm sure i'm sure they'll never forget you mentioning that to them but uh, you know you have this kind of this game here and i'm just like you know what i think it's going to be a good game i have a good feeling about it and it certainly was so um credit to both teams i knew this would be a tight matchup good nfc west matchup here i think the scheduling gods whoever those people are um i think picked a really darn good game this year i think overall when you are scheduling these things you don't know um, how they're going to work out. I don't think people knew Arizona was going to be in such tight contention for that division with the way they played last year, but luck of the draw, Arizona's having a great season this year, and so is Seattle, and it just ended up becoming a great um, boxing match, heavyweight fight, as they say. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the big three games of the week. All this and more on a Hot Corner on KCU 80.1 FM and KCU.FM. Fire threatens everything in its path. When it threatens our nation and our communities, we respond. We bring the fight to the front line. The Army National Guard stands ready to face the dangers of Mother Nature and protect our homes and our neighbors. We will always be there when your community needs us the most. Discover more about all the ways you can serve part-time in your community by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association at this station. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Saturday in Columbia is KCOU Sports Saturday. Tune in right here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia for all-day sports talk starting at 9 a.m. Cap off your Sports Saturday with coverage of Mizzou football from the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Don't just Saturday, KCOU Sports Saturday. Okay. Hey, this is KCOU 88.1 FM. Are you trying to release the hottest project of this year, possibly next? Come down to our studio in the Student Center. 
can mix, master, record, edit, engineer your whole project, your whole artistic experience wrapped into one visit. Please come down and visit us. If any of this interests you, please email sessions at kcou.fm. Last weekend was interesting, to say the least. It was weird just not watching much Bears football because they played in that Thursday night game, and it was really bad. And it was was it was it the Thursday night game? Because honestly, I've kind of forgotten because the Bears have been so atrocious this season that my interest in professional football has really decreased. I think it was a Monday night game, if I remember correctly. I think they played Monday night of this past week, and they lost... To somebody, let me check up on that. They lost. I know they lost. They lost to so. Let's see who we they embarrassed lost to. On national television again. The Minnesota Vikings, of course. How could I forget? Nineteen to thirteen. Um, obviously, the game that Kirk Cousins desperately wanted and needed, um, putting his number of primetime wins at one on Monday night. That is obviously the second primetime win he had against. The Washington Redskins at the time known as the Redskins of last season against Dwayne Haskins and company uh, on a Thursday night game in Minnesota. This one coming uh, on Monday night of this past season. The Vikings obviously have enough momentum to turn their season around. They have a very winnable next three games, but as many have put it in the media industry, they're going to have to earn it because after those three games, their schedule looks a lot tougher Um, The next three games include, hold on one second here, the next three games here for the Minnesota Vikings. It doesn't have them listed here. Let's see. So they had Detroit, who they beat, Chicago. Um, They're playing Dallas, obviously, next week. So, you know, that's a winnable game, I think, for them. That is 100% a winnable game. They will win that game. Although the way Gilbert played against the Steelers, this could be an upset. Yeah, they have... Vikings have uh, Dallas, the Panthers, they host the Panthers, then they host the Jags, and then they go and travel to Tampa Bay. So that will be kind of a make-or-break game for them as well. Then they'll host Chicago, so kind of a rematch of that uh, game we saw on Monday night. And then they will go to New Orleans and play the Saints and finish their season off against the Lions on the road. So obviously Minnesota, as the as they say in the media industry, having to earn their way into the playoffs, playing the Bucks and Saints most notably. Obviously, I think the Panthers could be a good win for them, and I think the Jaguars will obviously be a win for them. And Dallas, um, I, I'm feeling kind of funny about that. I think Dallas might. Are you hinting might, at something? I might be hinting at something. Ah, oh, spoilers, spoilers. Keep that in the back yeah. of your head when we get to uh, the upset picks of the week. So as you know, we do a segment called the big three games of the week where we pick the three most important games in our opinions of this week in the nfl and of course at the end we pick an upset pick which is my favorite part logan's not here so he can't give us a rundown on how we're doing but i can assure you of this i am still in last michael is still in first or second yes i am probably way in the back because last week i only won one game and that's just not good i have gotten messages from friends and family back home of Please check in with us before you do your picks because you're really bad at picking. But I have said it consistently throughout the show's history that I am not good at picking games. That's just something about myself in terms of when I'm writing my rankings, which will be dropping at 3.30 p.m. Yes. <laughs> you got to say it one more time on the show, one more time. When I'm usually writing my rankings, I'll put a little quote at the end saying either you want to watch this game, it's going to be a slaughter, and or if it's not worth your time at all. More often than not, I am wrong But that's just the way I am. I'm just not good at predicting things. So, without further ado, we're going to go into our first game that we're going to talk about here in the show. The Titans and the Ravens. Both teams coming off of a loss last week. Ravens, I don't want to say they struggled against the Colts, but they weren't playing to their their caliber that we're used to seeing. I mean, excuse me, the Titans struggled against the Colts. The Ravens coming off a loss against the Patriots, but whether or not you want to blame it on the weather, which is a good enough excuse. Well, the weather was... Yeah, the weather was really bad. I mean, it, it looked literally like hell, like the actual place of hell when they played at 
New England the other night. I mean, it, it was the, the swirling winds combined with the rain, combined with literally everything. I mean, it's just I don't know how Lamar Jackson was able to navigate the pocket in that. I think he reads the field really well, which is something that I think is a, is a huge benefit towards uh, the Baltimore Ravens team and obviously Harbaugh and his um, great playbook there. But obviously having to navigate that, they had the wind, they had the cold temperatures, the rain, the, the cameras. I mean, you could barely see. I mean, you could barely see the field with the camera. Yeah, it was a lot like watching was a, crazy. A, a game in a blizzard. Yeah. That's I what mean, it, felt it was like. unbelievable. And it was interesting. I don't think there was any lightning because they do have lightning delays in the NFL, which is, um, is something that has happened more often than not. But they never stopped that game. Um, they just they played all the way through it. And Cam Newton, obviously, um, 100-plus yards passing. Um, kind of an ugly game for both sides. But ultimately, I think the Patriots had a huge statement win. And Baltimore falling to three losses here and not being able to improve on their 14-2 and record of last season. Although... Still confident they'll be able to make the playoffs and go in. Oh, um, still no make problem. The, but make, come on, Michael. Really? They obviously make the will not have the same record that they had last year. Well, yeah. I don't think that's big, that much of a surprise. Well, I'm just making a point. Okay, your point was quite a obvious. A fair, obvious point that I'm pointing out because people might be not looking at the record necessarily as a point of concern, which I don't think it necessarily is. But It's not a point of concern. I'm just making a statement on it. Anyways, <laughs> looking at the Titans. Sixth in defense as well. If the Titans want to win, they're going to want to give the ball to Derrick Henry, or as I call him, Tractor Cito, which apparently no one else knows the nickname of, but whatever. If they want to win, he's going to need a big game. Last week, he did not score a touchdown. He's got to score at least two touchdowns from the win. And, of course, I need him to do that because I have him in fantasy. There you go. You're going to call me off for it eventually yeah. at some point in this time. You do it every all week, comes Michael. down to Patrick's fantasy team. But fantasy is very important to me, and I need him to have a big game. And I need the Titans, really, they want to instill a little more confidence in me. They're going to need to beat Baltimore. Yeah, and the other thing that I wanted to say is I'm probably the only person at the station that doesn't play fantasy, and I'm getting, you know— the urge to want to play fantasy at some point. So I probably will be next year's project, but you said that last year. Yeah. Well, I just never got around to it this year, but I will say right now with Baltimore, number two in rushing offense in total, that's a big part to Lamar Jackson, obviously. And you got Tennessee six in rushing offense, um, Tennessee in part because of Derrick Henry and the defense though, is a point of concern for Tennessee. They're 21st ranked in the league in defense, 14th in total offense, so I think what's going to have to happen is right now for Tennessee is they're going to have to really step it up on their defensive side of the ball because Baltimore is going to try and use a very diverse playbook that they always use. And obviously having Jackson and his mobility at your disposal, if you're uh, John Harbaugh, is something that I think a lot of teams would love to have. So just having that playbook, you know, this is kind of weird. I don't think anybody has this, you know, thought, but I really kind of want to take a look at Harbaugh's playbook. I think that's something that a lot of people would would gain a lot from not just because like oh here's this other team's playbook or whatever just because of how complex it is like the, just the, the various scheme sets that they have how he caters that offense to Jackson and is still able to get receivers open downfield with the plays that they run um, just such a prolific passer as well in terms of being able to find guys not necessarily in tight windows but having the scheme catered towards his ability to run and throw uh, is something that Harbaugh I think does really well so um, just an incredible and, and two two good coaches, I think Harbaugh and Vrabel um, here. So I think this should be an interesting game when it's all said and done. All right, the Ravens are favored by five points. I'm going to go chalk, as you remember. Pick the game if you want to feel ambitious. You can do a score prediction, which I never do. I'm going to pick the Ravens in this one. No score prediction, Michael. I'm going to go with Baltimore winning 31-26. I think Baltimore overall is going to have um, going to be decided the winner here, but I think it's going to be a tight game, and it's going to be tightly contested, and everyone's going to love watching it. So Baltimore on top. All right, our second game of the week, the Packers and the Colts, both teams coming off of a win last week. The Packers played down to their opponent of Jacksonville in a game that was a little concerning if I'm a Packer fan which I am not, and the Colts beating the Titans last week. Kind of a surprise for me, but not not really because Philip Rivers had one of his better games. He did not have any back-breaking interceptions, which, as I stated on the show, if he wants to win games, he can't have drive-ending, game-killing interceptions that he normally does. Right. 
As for the Packers, I really don't know whether to write that game off as just that one weird game of the season where you have a game that's much closer than it's supposed to be, or whether to start looking at this team and say, are they really all that? But at the same time, that's where my bias comes in, and I don't want that to happen because I have to be a completely unbiased journalist here. Yeah. And looking at this game without my hatred for um, Wisconsin and the Packers, <laughs> yeah, got to take it out of account. So, got to take a deep breath, everybody. Take a yeah, deep as, breath. As, as a completely objective standpoint, I really don't know whether. Yeah, I know what. I'm going to write that game off last week. I feel I mean, like that's a safe thing to okay, do. Okay, so here's the thing. Last week, and I think every team, in a sense, has one game where, you know, it's like, okay, we didn't play up to par. We didn't play up to expectations. Aaron Rodgers still threw for over 300 yards, 24 for 34 for 325 yards. I'd say this is more of a defensive concern because Jake Luton, I think that's how you pronounce it, who is now starting apparently for Jacksonville in the quarterback carousel over there, 18 for 35, 169 yards passing. So it was a 24 to 20 win for Green Bay. It was very tight. It was very weird watching it. Um, And it was something that I obviously haven't seen um, in terms of Green Bay's defense for quite a while. But I think overall this week, the momentum is on Indianapolis' side because I think Green Bay definitely played down to their opponent, as you had mentioned earlier, Patrick. But is this the game where Green Bay is a statement game where they say, you know what, that's not who we were. That's not something that we want to kind of come off of as an organization, as a team. We lost, we almost lost that game to a 1-8 and opponent, so let's come out and make a statement. However, you also have the Colts, who are coming in off of a 34-17 win against the Tennessee Titans. That was also a statement win on primetime Thursday night. So I think the Colts have more momentum than Green Bay does going into this game. I think Green Bay is, you know, really looking to kind of turn things around within how their program is viewed after last week's game. But overall, I think definitely momentum's with the Colts. Yeah, I would say as momentum-wise, yes. Excuse me. With It is with the Colts. But also, I don't want to count on Aaron Rodgers at all. You've seen what he's done. He's playing with a little chip on his shoulder after the the Packers drafted Jordan Love over the offseason in the draft. And, you know, he's kind of played on that. He's kind of played on that that role of, oh, you think you picked a future player over him instead of taking what I wanted in terms of right. wide receivers. So he's playing with that little chip on his shoulder. As for the Colts, I don't want to count out Rivers either. But for me, it really comes down to, as I said last week and throughout the season of the show, if the Colts ha- want to win, they need the defense to show up, which they have consistently, and they need Phillip Rivers to not make any ga- back-breaking interceptions. Yeah, well, this is, according to NFL Network, the number one defense in the league, although I have my disagreements with that. I think Pittsburgh is pretty darn good defense as well. But right now, I think the Indianapolis Colts have one thing going for them, and that's really their defense. I mean, I think I, I don't want to count out Phillip Rivers. I think Rivers has done tremendous things for Indianapolis this year so far, other than throwing back-breaking interceptions, which has happened as well. But I think the Colts' defense needs to show up, and they need to show out, and they need to be fantastic against Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers because it will be a battle of the defenses with these two guys. I think that there there are – I mean, battle – well, I think the quarterbacks are going to do their part. I think Rivers is going to do his part. It's going to come down to who is mistake-less in this game. Does Rivers ride that momentum in and have a great game after beating Tennessee the way he did last week? Does he come in there and throw a back-breaking interception because Rodgers does that far less than he does? That's kind of the thing that I'm also looking at right now, and that wasn't something that I was initially thinking about because, yes, Green Bay has the eighth-ranked defense in the league, and, yes, Indianapolis has the number one-ranked defensively, according to NFL Network. But it's going to come down to which quarterback plays, I would say, I actually changed my point that I was making, which quarterback is playing more flawless, I would say. It's not going to come down to defense. It's going to come down to the quarterbacks. The Packers are favored by two and a half points. All betting lines are as of last night on CBSSports.com. I'm going to go with the Packers here against my bias, even though I root against them every single week because that's what Bears fans do. I'm going to go with the Packers. I'm going to go with the Packers as well. My heart wants to take the Colts, but unfortunately I can't pick against Aaron Rodgers. Not feeling ambitious enough to pick a score in this game, but... I will go with Green Bay and the Packers against you know, the Colts. There, there is a chance that we could have chalk this week. Yeah, I mean, depends on what Logan's thinking. 
Although, unfortunately, we won't know until we'll the know end until of this we episode. Get, we get that text message later right. on in the day. All right, final game of the week. The Rams and the Buccaneers, a game that I'm really looking forward to. Brady and Goff, a battle of a really good defense. <laughs> Never thought I'd say that about the Buccaneers. Yeah. Minus their secondary, which still leaves a little bit to be desired. But they really came up in the came up in the clutch this season so far. Their front seven's good. It's been a lot of fun watching the Buccaneers. I love Brady, as you know. I believe he's the greatest quarterback of all time, and I believe everyone else should should have that opinion as well, because all other opinions are just wrong. Anyways, as for the Rams, they they uh messed up my prediction last week with the Seahawks. They led by Jared Goff were able to tear apart the Seahawks Swiss cheese defense. And you know, kind of ruin my weekend anyways. But, you know, looking at this game, I think it's going to be a slugfest in a sense. Yeah. High-scoring game. Maybe maybe eerily similar to that that uh, Rams and Chiefs game of 2018. Yeah. Which was exactly over Thanksgiving break, because I remember that game. Right. That was our freshman year. And the other thing is, is that with Los Angeles, I think that, you know, they've really turned things around as well. I mean, I, I didn't give them enough credit, and I don't think Goff is... is all that great and fantastic, but I think McVeigh's scheme set caters to him and he's able to really kind of work it well. And I think he's able to find, find guys downfield. He's got a decent arm for what it's worth. And I think that ultimately allowed them to go in, or I think they hosted Seattle last week. It allowed Seattle, they allowed them to beat Seattle and of course make me look like someone who's not very smart because I said that I wasn't very confident we both, in we, we both Goff's said, ability to throw downfield. We both downfield. said, and you can listen back to the show, we both said that the Rams and Jared Goff would not be able, would not be the team to really destroy the Seahawks defense. And just like every other prediction I make on this show, I was wrong and Michael was wrong. Well, to be fair, I mean, I, they only won by seven, but I didn't think Goff would be able to kind of really come out there and beat him the way he did. But I think that's more of a credit to McVay than anybody else. But Los Angeles right now is also looking, is eyeing the lead in the NFC West. And they're right there because Seattle's 7-3, and three, they're 6-3. and three. Tampa Bay um, is obviously trying to prevent that from happening. But you have Brady, obviously, putting the New Orleans game a mile behind him um, because that game was something that I think Bucks yeah, that, fans that was, really I, I, I don't have, want I to talk that written about. Down, I, and it says, the offense was phenomenal, and it was a clear bounce back from the humiliating loss from the Saints when they only scored three points. That game was atrocious. It was a major letdown because I believe yes. it was a Sunday night game. Yeah. But, and that was just, that was that was not good. Not right. good. But the other storyline here for Tampa Bay, Ronald Jones, 192 yards on the ground versus Carolina. Um, to match up with Brady's 341 through the air. Um, Ronald Jones, spectacular game against the Panthers. Um, I just think that right now, Tampa Bay, they have both the passing game and running game at their forefront of their you know double punch that they've got going on with their offense. So this should be something that's um, you know very, very interesting here, at least to me, is can Los Angeles stop that? Can they stop Tampa Bay's running game? They're a full, full-on two-dimensional offense. Can they stop? I, don't, Ronald I, don't, Jones? I really don't know if I would call them a full-on two-dimensional offense. I, I mean, would, I think I mean, that you Ron, saw Ronald Jones' stats are a little inflated last week because of his big 95-yard run. I mean, to his credit, though, he had to get that 95-yard run in the first place. Well, yeah, he had he to did. outrun the, the safety. But the, I'm not just going to go run around and say. You know, their, their running game is very good, which it's more average in my opinion because it's more situated around a passing offense. Yeah, but his his average uh, amount of yards per carry last week was 8.3. Inflated Jones. by the 95-yard run. I wouldn't say that. It was also because, in part, he was getting a good amount of snaps. He got 23 carries, um, and he actually did very well so far when you look at that. But the fact is is that Tampa Bay right now, they have they have everything going for them. They have momentum with them. They came back well against the New Orleans Saints loss, and this is the point that I was going to make. Right now, with that in mind, and I think Brady has shown he's invincible to a degree, because you can't look at this and say, okay, it's getting to his head, it's getting to his mind, he's not going to be able to come back from it. And then he does, and he does it you know, with, with a vengeance, and he does it with, with a lot of stuff going his way. I mean, he had no interceptions, no turnovers, very, very good completion percentage, and a very good number of passing yards. So... For him to come back that way, I don't know. I just it, it greatly increases my confidence in him. 
I mean, I, I would say so, I didn't have. I mean, looking at that game against the Saints, again, as I'm making it with this, the thing about Rodgers, even though they won that game for the Packers, I kind of want to write it off. As I say, it was just one of those games where everything was going wrong right. on the offense, the defense didn't show up, and the way they played against the Panthers last week really changed. You know, it was a really good bounce back game. That's what they needed. Yeah, I mean, and I think... with that game, they proved to me. He's like, okay, I know Brady still has it. I'm not going to say one bad game is enough to end Brady's career or anything like that. Just for him to take command of the team in that, in that game last week against the Panthers really showed that this team has something. Right. And that was the second time this season they got swept this year by the Saints. Uh, unfortunately for them, obviously, Breeze coming back with the short to intermediate passes. My least favorite uh, Drew Breeze game. I always love it when he slings it downfield, but that's unfortunately not who he is anymore. Uh, sadly, he's not the same Drew Breeze he was two years ago. But that game against the Saints was the come-back-to-earth game for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And I think that's what Arians kind of honed in on in, in the you know post-game speech was, okay, guys, we had this game. We know we've got work to do. Let's correct what we the, the, the wrongs that we've had. And let's go out there versus Carolina and get this win. It's exactly what they did. And so I think that they're going, they're going to ride that momentum. They're going to ride that strength in. And I think they're going to end up ultimately beating Los Angeles in that game which in which they host. All right. The Buccaneers are a three-point favorite. I'm going with chalk. Got the Buccaneers winning this one. And I just gave you my take. Buccaneers against Buccaneers win against the Rams. All right. And now time for my favorite segment of this segment. The upset pick of the week. I have had my upset picks be very close, but not falling in my favor. This week, I'm going with an old favorite. The Eagles over the Browns. Now, granted, you can look at me and say, oh, Patrick, that's not the upset you usually take. It's usually like a five point or more. Well, I'm not going to throw my hand in the ring and pick the Cowboys or pick a team that's, you know, that I do not say... While they are upset, while they are an underdog, not going to, th- to make a crazy upset pick like I usually do. This week, I'm looking at the Eagles and Browns, as I said earlier. The Eagles, they upset the Niners early in the season. That is like my go-to upset pick that I'm going to continually mention on the show for years to come and probably for the rest of my life because it's one of the highlights of my life, which is quite sad. And anyways, looking at the Browns, I feel like they're going to Browns it. I know Baker played well last week. The entire offense played well last week. You know, and looking at this, it's like the Browns are due for another Browns game. And I feel like it's going to be this weekend. Yeah, I think Philadelphia also plays up to their opponent. So I think that that's, you know, something that we obviously saw as well with the 49ers earlier this season. So And, and just like in the 2017 season, that. and just like in the 2017 season, channel the underdog. Channel the underdog. Uh, yeah, so I guess I'm up next. I'm going to go with Dallas over the Vikings. I'm not particularly happy about it but that's why it's called an upset because we're upset about it uh, i do have some logic i know no I, I, I ought to just mute you yeah I'm, you I'll, probably I ought should. to take away your talking privileges you probably should um garrett gilbert uh last week not an awful game for a guy they kind of just threw into the fire in the ring there um obviously with the loss of dak prescott things have not been going well for dallas um have lost quite a few games without him Steelers going in there. I think they were 7-0 at the time. They're 8-0 right now because they got the win, only winning the game by five points, 24-19. And Gilbert obviously had 243 passing yards and a completion percentage above 50. So that's obviously good news for Dallas. There is hope. I think Garrett Gilbert's going to give the Vikings a tough matchup. I think with Dallas playing up to their opponent like that, especially considering they had a big blowout game to Washington, I think they might have figured out some of the problems that they have with putting in Garrett Gilbert. I hope I'm wrong because I don't want Dallas to win this game for the purposes of the fact that it's Dallas. But at the same time, my logic is with me there as well. I think Gilbert's going to have a similar game and it's going to come back to bite Kirk Cousins and company in Minnesota. I don't think they'll be able to keep up. All right, we're going to take a short break. We come back, college football on the hot corner on KCU.fm and KCU.fm. For nearly 15 years, India's House has brought traditional North Indian cuisine to downtown Columbia. Featuring staples such as tikka masala and tandoori breads, India's House is sure to warm the soul. Located at the intersection of Broadway and Hit, open for delivery or curbside pickup. And now, a poem. Tikka masala is red, and you're feeling blue, but once you're at India's House, you'll feel anew. But now, 
part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. My training helps me at work when I lead by example. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my community and those I care about safe from threats. Learn more about how you, too, can live and serve part-time close to home by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station. Ranger Station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, I'll dry them all. Last year, four million people graduated from Red Cross classes. One of them could save your life. Join them. If I were to describe last week's action in college football with one word, I would say this. Boring. <laughs> Very. Last weekend was more of the the plethora of bye weeks, COVID cancellations, and games that were just not that interesting. Of those games that were canceled, we saw the Georgia-Missouri game canceled. We saw... Ohio State and Maryland, which was something I was looking forward to a little bit because Maryland's kind of been a surprise for me this season. And I really wanted to see how Ohio State would play against uh, Tua Bailoa. Say that five times fast. I should know that by heart by now because that's all we talked about last season. Tongue of Iloa. Whatever. And, you know, looking at this week's action, there's a few games that have really caught my eye. I mean, we're going to go through my rankings a little bit. I'm going to mention them, as I've stated. Con- consistently throughout the show, 3.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can find it at thehotcornershow.wordpress.com. A couple games that really caught my eye, as I stated, mostly in the Big Ten, Indiana, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and my Group of Five game of the week, Appalachian State in Coastal Carolina, a Sun Belt matchup. So, looking at Indiana and Ohio State, Michael, I want to ask you a couple questions because Indiana... I don't, I, don't, I don't want to say I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but I feel like they they can give Ohio State a run for their money. Now, granted, Ohio State is favored by 20 points right now, according to Vegas, which I believe, while some might say it was a good betting line, I believe it should not be that high. I mean, I'm as high on Ohio State as the next guy, but Indiana, this year they've surprised me a lot. Yeah, Indiana really beat Michigan State last week. I mean, they came in there and they shut them out 24 to nothing. I know Michigan State isn't great, but, you know, and then Indiana the previous week came back and they beat Michigan by 17 points. They beat Rutgers by 16 points. Nice Rutgers. And then, well, yeah, but Rutgers is obviously <laughs> a lot better than they were last year. And then they beat Penn State in the season opener, or, yeah, season opener. Basically, that was, you know, good sign of how things went penn state obviously ranked very high to start the season that's we know now where penn state is um indiana obviously this is the prove it to me game because they've looked great thus far they have four straight they have four wins they're four and oh ohio state right now is um obviously the big favorite to win the conference so right now indiana has to prove and i think we went over this last night indiana has is 0 and 25 in the last 25 years, or 0 and 24, or something like that in matchups. Yeah, they have since lost 95. the last 24 games against. Actually, excuse me, 26 games 26 against games. Ohio State. I was because this, this got brought up last last night. I was discussing with one of our roommates about the streak of Indiana and Michigan, which was 24 years. Yeah, this one I believe was 25. Yeah, this so back all the way back in the 1990s, four years before I was born, 95. Um, was the last time I believe Indiana beat Ohio State. But the fact is, right now, is Indiana's having their, you know, token kind of dream season. And Ohio State's in there with Justin Fields is like, okay, we're here to get business done. Indiana's a heavy underdog in this game. 
but they've got momentum with them. They obviously have the two wins against both sides of Michigan, and they have the win against Rutgers and Penn State, Penn State being the big win early in the season when Penn State was projected to be highly ranked. So right now, my heart says Indiana, but my mind says Ohio State. I really don't see Fields blowing this, um, but I think there's always a possibility. I don't see Fields blowing it. But I do see a very close game that will be decided by oh, a field absolutely, goal. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think not this going might to even be, go to overtime. You can quote me. Every time I say this, it goes wrong. You can quote me on this. I don't think Ohio State will cover the 20-point spread. I don't think so either. I think Ohio State, they're going to play much more close. I think Indiana deserves a lot of credit for how they've played so far this year. They've exceeded everyone's expectations. But I think right now, you know, what Tom Allen and company are going to have to do is they're going to have to really come in there and they're going to have to get the you know get the ball rolling early on as they as they say you know they're going to have to be able to establish a good running game and I think what Indiana has to do I think right now is just keep leading keep leading throughout the game uh, don't give up too much on the back end of it if you lead by one score by halftime there's a good shot that you're probably going to win the game um, and if they play them tightly I think it's going to be a tightly contested matchup either way but I think right now Indiana has to score first. And they have to score often. That may sound a little cliche, but I think that's what's going to have to happen. The team that wants to win has to score more points. Exactly. But <laughs> you know, for them to do that, I think oh, they man. have to get on the board early. They have to establish a good running game, and they have to have. If their you win the coin flip, get, take the ball first. Yes. You want to score first. Set the tone. Yeah. Set the tone of the game. Don't look back. Another game that I did not mention in Don't my rundown of games is the legendary, well, completely one-sided, lopsided. Bedlam series between Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Oklahoma has won the last five games. 2014 was the last season that Gundy and the Cowboys beat the Sooners. All-time series, Oklahoma has won 89 times. Oklahoma State has won 19. Very lopsided series, but this season, this game will probably determine who wins the Big 12. If Oklahoma State wins, they have a 90% chance of clinching the Big, or at least making the Big 12 championship. Yeah. If they lose, that plummets to, I believe, around 10%. This is on ESPN earlier today, or around, it's like two per, two, somewhere between 2 and 10%. As for Oklahoma, if they lose, they're in the same situation. Yeah. If they win, they have a very high chance of winning the Big 12. If they lose, they don't. Yeah, I think a lot of people were surprised because Oklahoma's really turned it around. I mean, you know, Spencer Rattler earlier this year, we talked about how he was kind of, you know, underperforming expectations. They took him out briefly. And I really, I thought Rattler was good. I think Rattler is a solid five-star. Um, I think that he's, well, they're always, five-stars usually are going to be great. But I think with how highly he was recruited out of Arizona, number one quarterback in Arizona, comes out there, played Texas very well, puts his throws on a dime, is obviously going to grow and mature through a program that I think is going to develop him into a solid NFL quarterback, has a terrific ability, terrific, excuse me, terrific mobility. And I think that's going to put Oklahoma over the edge in this game. I think they have momentum going with him. And I think Oklahoma State, is having a hard time kind of coping with. I mean, they were at. They, what were they? They were ranked five, I think, earlier this year, and then Oklahoma State after taking that loss, the AP poll was ranked in the top five, and they lost to Texas in a game that they were only favored by three and a half points. So it was it was not a bad loss by any means because Texas usually has this 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 playing this ability to play up to their opponents and play down to their opponents, which yeah. has hurt them this season. Another team that shares that same quality is UNC. They can they have the potential to be a contender but at the same time they will play down the teams like wake forest and virginia and that's really what what happened with texas this season as for oklahoma state i'm really high on him i love chuba hubbard it's a lot of fun to watch now some might say he's not fast or he's not really a pro running back he's a bruiser all completely irrelevant because we're talking college and college is the most important thing right now yeah if you want to go see how guys are gonna do in the nfl you can do that in your own time but don't be throwing it around that oh he's bad when he's not don't do that. Bad people do that. Um, anyway, so Kansas State, by the way, I just want to make this point here. Oklahoma State only beat him by two points. Kansas State lost to West Virginia by 27. West Virginia, not a bad team either. I don't think they're bad, but I, I think that right now Oklahoma State is having a hard time coming back after that Texas loss. And this is going to be the, as I said, this is going to be the prove it to me game. Um, I think Oklahoma has the edge, not only because they're at home and they allow fans. I, th- I think they're allowing fans, right? The Sooners. Yes, they will. I believe they'll allow so, fans. So, yeah. So, they'll have the, the home field advantage will actually be a thing this year, which is something that I haven't, I didn't think that I would say. And I think 
overall, I kind of like Spencer Rattler in this game. I think, to to his credit, he's really proved me wrong about this year. They've they, they did not start out great. Um, obviously, they beat Oklahoma, or they lost Oklahoma. They played a tightly contested game with Kansas State uh, that they lost, and they lost to Iowa State, beat Texas, beat TCU, beat Texas Tech, beat Kansas. They're on a five-game winning streak. I mean, so this is this is a solid, you know, win streak that they've got going on here. Do they carry that momentum in with Oklahoma State? That's going to be the big question. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And I want to ask you to pick the games I mentioned earlier. We didn't talk about Northwestern or Wisconsin, nor uh, Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State. So we're going to pick these four games, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Indiana, Ohio State, and as I said earlier, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State. So I'm going to go first. For Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the Bedlam Series, I think Oklahoma State's going to pull it off. I think they're going to have their chance to win their first Big 12 championship in quite some time. Yeah, I'm going to, my again, I want to go with Oklahoma State in this game, but I just can't pick against Spencer Rattler and that home field advantage. They're riding with everything here with that five-game win streak, coming off a big win against Kansas, 62-9, to although it feels like everybody this year has been beating Kansas pretty handedly. But um, with that five-game win streak, I think they got the momentum coming in with them. I think Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State in this game. As for Indiana-Ohio State, I feel like we mentioned it a little bit. I'm going to go with Ohio State. It's a smart pick to do. As much as I want to see it, I'd much rather go with the pick I believe is going to happen over what my heart wants. Yes, I'm going to also go with Ohio State as well. And in a big Big Ten East-West matchup, Northwestern and Wisconsin. Northwestern kind of been a surprise this season. Wisconsin has had their season derailed a little bit by COVID, which caused a couple weeks of cancellations, but they got their act together and was able to play last week. And this week has their biggest game of the season so far against Northwestern, a team that's kind of been a surprise, but a team that is good and fun to watch. I'm going to go with Northwestern. That's an upset pick right there. I really like how the Wildcats have played this season. Maybe a little bit of bias because I like Northwestern a lot as a Big Ten fan myself, but I see Northwestern winning this game. I'm going to go with Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's had a you know bad run of luck here with some of the COVID cases, and they haven't been kind of looked at pretty heavily in terms of their offense, but I'm going to go with the Badgers in this game over the Wildcats. And finally, the Group of Five game of the week. Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina, both teams undefeated in conference play. This game will determine who will represent the Sun Belt East in the Sun Belt Championship. If the Appalachian State wins, they will likely take on Louisiana Lafayette. And if Coastal Carolina wins, their miracle season continues as they are ranked in the top 15 in my rankings this week. I really love Coastal Carolina. I love McCall as a quarterback. He's been phenomenal this season. You know what? I And I love Appalachian State, too. Don't get me wrong. Zach Thomas, senior quarterback, a lot of fun to watch. He's very good. One of the best group of five quarterbacks in college football at this time. But I'm going to go with Coastal Carolina. I hate picking against Appalachian State because it always bites me in the, in the rear end when I look back at it. But Coastal Carolina, miracle season continues. Have to go with Coastal Carolina in this game. Having their dream season, 7-0 and on the year, 5-0 and in conference. Spectacular year, obviously. And as I said, Patrick, I do agree. I think McCall is a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think Appalachian State's going to put up a big fight, but overall, I think Coastal Carolina is going to come up the vict- come out the victors in this game. All right, we're going to take a short break. We come back. The final word. This on Hot Corner on KCU Plan 88.1 FM and KCU.FM. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, man. Mm, man. I don't sleep and I don't need. But I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, man. Mm, man. Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit. No time to waste. Oh, man. Oh, man. If you're interested in building a great career, the Missouri Army National Guard is interested in you. The Guard will pay you to train for a wide range of jobs, such as engineering, combat arms, logistics, transportation, and military police. The skills you'll learn are needed in the Guard and are in high demand in the civilian job market. Plus, you may be eligible for a $20,000 bonus and student loan repayment. Visit NationalGuard.com today. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association in this station. Whoa! 
it's kind of sad looking back that this could be the last time I play this on the show for this season 2020. But it's been a fun ride. As you know, that song signals one thing. The final word. One of my favorite segments that we do on the show, as you know, with the final word, I either do a weird sports story, a weird sporting event. Michael does a hero of the week, and Logan, if he were here, would do a feel-good story to send you into the weekend. As usual, I'm going first, so without further ado, here we go. Thanksgiving, a holiday, holiday like none other. A holiday that is filled with tradition. For me, it's a tradition of the Injury Bowl, the NFL, turkey, and loads of mashed potatoes. However, for one group of friends in the city of Bloomington, Indiana, they decided to do something, well, quite different. Back in the year of our Lord, 2006, a small circle of friends gathered at their local high school to toss some turkeys. Now, some of you might be thinking, toss some turkeys? You mean the, the football? <laughs> no. Except this was not like any other turkey toss. The friends doused the turkeys in lighter fluid and lit them on fire. And then with some kind of weird rope contraption, would spin around in circles and toss it down the football field to see how far they would go. The farther someone threw it, the last time they did this was a few years ago, and it's kind of gone by the wayside because the friends thought that it would be more like, more better for their health to spend time with their family and friends instead of spending Thanksgiving in a football field in the dark tossing turkeys on fire. But the farthest one that someone threw was 185 feet and 7 inches. So, Michael, I know you're going on vacation for Thanksgiving break, and I want to ask you, Yeah, are you going to be participating in this event in Florida, you know, can't honest, say that I. Will. I don't know. I don't know because as I do, I do the injury bowl every year. Like I get with my brother, my dad, and my friend's family. We play a two-on-two football game down at the park by our house. And honestly, you know what? I might want to change it to the flaming turkey toss. Interesting. I don't know. We'll see. I'll have to. I'll have to I mean, think come about. On. It. I mean, I'll think I don't about know. it. Like, tell me something. Like, how does that not sound fun? I don't know. It just seems a little too weird for me. All right. All right. Whatever. Michael, you're up. All right. So I got a great story for you guys. They were hoping that the story would go viral, and I'm going to do my part to try and make sure that happens with the massive, massive base that we have that listens to this show. A good guy that I, well, the follow follows me on Twitter that I'm going to give a shout out to, Chad Ricardo of Yahoo Sports has a story. As you well know, I've been doing a project on high school athletes. Another selfless plug here. Check out my podcast, The Hard Count. I'm doing it with high school athletes to try and get them some more exposure. Um, for what they're doing in high school right now, obviously surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic. And this is just a fantastic story. Yahoo Sports picked this up from NBC Sports Washington. It says, virtual learning has become the new normal for most student athletes in the DMV. Getting acclimated and ultimately being successful in online classrooms is an individual accomplishment in and of itself. Doing so while overcoming homelessness, no, takes a team effort. And my hero of the week, obviously, on that is a young man named Kalel. I think that's how I pronounce it. Kalel Balden who is overcoming homelessness. You can go ahead and look this story up. It says, Balden, who attended and played football at Baloo High School last year, has been transient, moving from home to home since the age of 13 when his father was murdered. Currently, he is also separated from his mother to younger siblings, live in a women's shelter in D.C. Despite his circumstances, Balden is determined to find a pathway to success. He says, quote, there's a lot going on right now, but my education is important to me. Balden said the virtual learning is different, but it's still school, so I block everything out, make sure I get up on time, pay attention in class. And Balden has been doing that, and his goals include earning an athletic scholarship despite being undersized for linebacker. He was named first team All-DCSAA, District of Columbia State Athletic Association, last season, an accomplishment made even more impressive because it was his first year playing varsity football. Him and his father believe he's, his raw athleticism could pave his way to college. He says, quote, I'm just special, and with a good senior year on the field and in the classroom, he could turn his dreams into reality. He unfortunately did not, and I'm not going to read it word for word here, but unfortunately his laptop did stop working doing the whole virtual learning thing. Ended up winning a laptop, is continuing his pathway through school right now, doing a fantastic job. So, Club Alden, from all of us here at the Hot Corner, congratulations, and hopefully you get that athletic scholarship, buddy. You deserve it. We're all rooting for you here at the Hot Corner. Logan, if you were here too, would be rooting for you as well. And with that, that is the end of another episode of the Hot Corner. Make sure to follow us on our social media at Hot Corner Sports. You can follow yours truly at Patrick Carey and Michael Imami at Imami Michael and Logan at the Logan France. Also, make sure to check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and any other podcast services under the name The Hot Corner. We hope you have a wonderful Friday, a happy Thanksgiving, and if we're not back after break, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Next semester, we will be back, but we'll be possibly back at a different time. So until then, this is not goodbye. This is see you later. 
So it's been Hot Corner, signing off. <laughs>